0: Hello, my name is David Shulman. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Women work hard in sub-Saharan Africa, as they do in many parts of the world. But according to World Bank surveys, more women in the region participate in the labor force than anywhere else in the world. So why is it so difficult for the women of sub-Saharan Africa to earn a decent living? According to Mary Hallward-Driemeyer, a lead economist in the office of the World Bank chief economist, The problem isn't finding work. She says the problem is the kind of work women currently do.
1: Women in Africa are far more likely to be working than any other region in the world. And some of this is because of income levels, and it's low, and they can't afford not to work but the kind of work they are doing matters in terms of the kind of income they're gonna earn, and so they are disproportionately involved in self-employment. So then you look a little bit at what these kind of businesses are, and a lot of them are very small, a lot of them are in the informal sector, and in very traditional kinds of work. So a lot of it is food preparation, or textiles, or garments, and a lot of these are ones where there's a lot of competition, and it's very easy to get into these kinds of businesses, and so the returns on them are very small.
0: What kinds of work would improve women's economic standing?
1: I think if women can change into activities that would earn higher returns, being able to start businesses that are registered, being able to start a business and have an employee, and then be able to expand, to be able to move into more complicated goods and ones that require often a little bit more physical capital, a little bit more know-how. So a lot of women are in garments or sort of textiles or tailoring and being able to make more complicated goods, being able to buy sewing machines, going into design. And some of it too is being able to take your goods to a part of town where you're gonna have customers who are able to afford higher quality goods and being able to sell them.
0: And so where did this discovery of this trend really come from for you?
1: You can certainly see it, you you can walk around, you see lots of women who are traders, lots of women running small stalls on the sides of the streets, etc. I mean, you can clearly see they're very active, and you can see that they're active in a lot of small businesses. But it's really striking when you also then look at the formal data and just see how these trends are ones that go around the world and are really quite striking.
0: So as a country's economic status improves overall, does it automatically improve opportunities for women?
1: Not necessarily. A lot of it comes to really fundamental things like property rights and being able to enter a contract in your own name, be able to uh, have a proceeding in court in your own name. And this is where there are still significant gender gaps, and unfortunately, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa.
0: So can you describe for me specifically what you mean by property rights? What are the rights that are at issue here?
1: In a number of countries, they have sort of head of household rights. So when you get married, the husband is legally given control over all assets in the family. It matters for um, inheritance, who can own these assets uh, at the end of the marriage, also on divorce, whether or not you can have collateral in your own name because a lot of the property is then in your husband's name.
0: So if a woman is self-employed, but the assets don't really belong to her. This
1: is a huge problem, right? You can't get the same credit. You don't necessarily have the same ability legally to maintain control over your business. One of the issues really is inheritance, where in a number of countries, if the husband then dies, his family will come and take a lot of the assets, including women's businesses and the collateral that they may have or the capital that they're using in the business, and legally they can.
0: Have you spoken specifically with any particular women that gloom in your mind as you think of this trend and you think this is really this person's context in their life?
1: I mean, I've run the gamut on this. I mean, I've had one incredibly successful uh, woman who had a clothing a sort of boutique uh, she was one of the probably top 100 business people in Kenya and her husband died and her husband's family took all her possessions. The entire business was taken away from her. And she was incredibly articulate, educated, extremely successful, connected. There was another example of a woman who uh, had a bakery, this was in Nigeria, but in the back of her house and she was incredibly successful and she was able to expand such that she was then able to buy an electric oven, which was a big deal. And she came home one day, and the oven was gone, and her husband had sold it. Part of it was she was sort of being more successful in some ways than he was willing to accept, but he had the right to be able, this was marital property, to dispose of it without her permission, and the fact it was the basis of her business was irrelevant.
0: So what is the way forward? What's, what are your recommendations to work on that?
1: A key one is really giving people the incentive and ability to pursue economic opportunity, so it's giving them equal rights to have assets, to be able to control them. So Kenya's an example. Even when, on the books, there are equal rights for women, a number of countries still formally recognize customary law. So Kenya, you had this recognition of customary law and, in the Constitution, exempted it from any principle of non-discrimination. Now, Kenya had a new constitution in 2010, and they removed that exemption. So I think that is a sort of a way forward to really have these principles of non-discrimination hold for everyone and across all sources of law. So Ethiopia is another one, a little over a decade ago, that removed the need for permission from your spouse to be able to work. And to have sort of equal control of marital assets in, in a marriage, and they rolled that out over different regions in Ethiopia. So you could, from an economist's perspective, identify uh, how this change um, came about over the different geographic areas, and you could look at the impact, and you see more women being able to work outside the home and in pursuing the kinds of activities that take a bit more assets to be able to run them in those places where the family law had changed. So I think there is scope for these legal changes to have a big impact on women's economic opportunities.
0: I'm curious about the impact of education. What impact does that have on women's economic status in sub-Saharan Africa?
1: Education is critical, and this is actually something that has been improving over time. But there's both sort of a level and a gap effect. And women aren't, and younger girls um, are going to school more, but in many countries it's still low and often at half the rates that boys are. So this is something that then has sort of lifelong impact. Basic education and schooling is really critical, uh, but it's also very strongly related to and being able to make this leap into being an employer. And beyond just sort of basic education is really critical in management training and sort of financial literacy. And this is something where women who have that kind of training are as successful in running larger and more productive firms, but they're less likely to get that training.
0: If you could pick a single change for women in sub-Saharan Africa, what would you like to see?
1: The biggest change is really encouraging more women to start different kinds of businesses. It's, it's very difficult to transition into a different kind of business than what you started in. Is there a single reform that can change it? No, it's, it's a set of different things, but some of it is expectations, some of it is role models, some of it is making assets available to younger women to be able to start different kinds of businesses. But I think if they can take that first step on a road to higher returns, they will be able to realize them.
0: Mary Hallward-Driemeyer, a lead economist in the office of the World Bank Chief Economist. We heard her assessment of how to improve economic empowerment for women in sub-Saharan Africa. To hear more podcasts from the International Monetary Fund, log on to www.soundcloud.com slash imf-podcasts.